you know, I want to have just an awesome team that loves their job and that, that we get creative and we listen to them and we don't, you know, we don't force feed exactly what we want to do. We, you know, we try to have a, you know, as much fun as we can and, and still, you know, still get the job done. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. I've got an unconventional guest today. I'm excited about this one because he's doing some very cool things in the recruiting space. His name is Jeff Emden. He's a general manager for Chesapeake Plywood. He's been doing eight figures in business for a while now. He's an expert in wood products and distribution. Chesapeake Plywood is a family business that has navigated rapid growth by implementing technology, introducing core values, and building an early career team. Jeff, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, Doug. How's it going? Thanks for having me on here. Absolutely, man. It's an honor to have you on. Uh, first, I want to talk about you're a big outdoorsman. It's, you know, we're finally getting that cold weather in Texas. I can imagine up north, it's it's a lot colder for you guys. So are you excited? Is this like your prime time right now for hunting? Yeah, fish? man. So just, uh, just last weekend and for the next two to three weeks, the rut is uh, full on, man. So whitetail deer hunting, all that's where I'll be. Uh, when I'm not working, I'll be in the in the, in a tree. Bow awesome. hunting. So we were lucky. We were lucky to book you for this. I feel like that you were yeah. available. Um, I imagine you take a little more vacation this time of year than normal. So, yeah, yeah, no problem at all, though. Absolutely. So, have you been barbecuing much? I haven't. I haven't. I used to do a ton. I uh -huh. mean, every weekend I'd be, you know, doing a pork butt or a brisket or something. But now that my kids are a little bit older, and you know, between between work and hunting and you know all that type of stuff and kids activities i don't uh i can't carve out you know the eight hours for a for a pork <laughs> yeah. shoulder or the or the what you know i've gone 18 hours on a brisket so yeah <laughs> hard hard to, to make that commitment anymore yeah but I, I probably go ahead i said I, I absolutely love doing it it's it's one of my favorite things to do yeah we call it smoke therapy right it was nice during uh during covid you know because everybody had to work from home we had all this time you know what i mean that's when i really dialed in all my recipes and everything and now it's just like you said you know all the kids are older now they're involved in all of these different things and so the the time isn't often there if i do it's typically on a sunday and it's typically like birthdays or neighbors having neighbors over for a barbecue or the last one that i had I invited a bunch of apex people over which is where we know each other from nice that's awesome okay so most of the guests i have on the show have started their business or they're operating within somebody else's business you know i, I want to say you're the first guest i've had on the show that is operating a family business what was that dynamic like growing up at the at the dinner table <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, family business is just a, a different beast. Uh, my father started this business in 2001. Um, you know, he had had a, 
a full career in the same industry, but uh, the company that he works for got bought out by a, a big comp, uh, you know, big corporate conglomerate, and they shut down the wood products division of of the business. So he, you know, he needed a job, and uh, he took a home equity mortgage out on his house and uh, bought a couple loads of plywood, and we rented a uh, a construction trailer in South Baltimore, and you know, started out super, super, super small. And I was, you know, I guess I was 15 at the time, and you know, still in high school. Um, my work history consisted of working at a pizza place and a gas station, you know, at that time. And, um, and, you know, I worked summers, uh, you know, to begin with through, through high school. And then after high school, I uh, went to college part-time and then worked full-time and then actually went away to college for a couple years and, and, and graduated and then came back. And it's been, uh, I guess it's been 13 or 14 years, you know, back full-time working for the family business. So it's, it's all, it's all I really know. I love it. And what I love about it too, is it sounds like a lot of the, you were there for a lot of that growth. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, we were, you know, just, just like most small businesses, I mean, just extremely, extremely small. I mean, one of the stories I tell is about, is about our trash consumption, right? So when we first started out, we would, you know, we would, load all the businesses trash i mean you know office trash and that type of thing but also you know the packaging trash from from the warehouse we would load it up in a pickup truck and take it to the county dump because if you lived in that county dump you could you know dump it for free yeah uh, you know my dad would buy you know everybody uh whoever went with him he'd buy him the you know the 99 cent wendy's cheeseburger or whatever it was and that that's what we did on on lunch break once a week but just to give you an idea of how much we've grown, I mean, we, we empty, you know, two thirty or two forty yard dumpsters a week now. I mean, that's one of those big giant yeah. dumpsters, just, just, just trash. It just, just goes to show like, you know, how much trash you accumulate when you, when you operate a bigger business. And I'm guessing you're not hooking that to a back of a truck and, no, and absolutely getting Wendy's not. on the way. <laughs> no, exactly. So, you know, just small roots, man. That That's where we came from. I love that so much is that picture behind you. If you, if you guys are watching on video, there's a picture behind Jeff. Uh, is that of y'all's facility or what is that? Yeah, yeah, that's our facility. So it's a, it's an 11 acres facility with a 200,000 square foot warehouse and office space. And uh, you can see on, on uh, the left side there that there's C containers. That's part of our business as well. Okay. We have, uh, we've got some, some verticals, um, uh, an over the road trucking company and then a public warehousing storage facility where we unload sea containers that come in from the port of Baltimore, store them at our place and then ship material back out, you know, back all across you know, North America. So you guys have multiple verticals within the same industry. It sounds like. Correct. Yeah. Every, everything we try to do is, is in with, is in with wood products, specifically plywood. What, what made y'all make that decision? You know, you, you hear different schools of thought on this, you know, stay in your lane, scale, scale that lane. But uh, why did y'all make the decision to say, Hey, we could do multiple things in the same, same vertical. Yeah. Well, the, the verticals are absolutely huge for us and they've allowed us to grow. I mean, the only reason that we have the verticals was to scale the mothership, which is Chesapeake plywood, which is a, it's a, we're an importer and specialty wood products distributor. So the trucking company extends our reach as to where we can deliver. Um, you know, we'll, we'll take orders and deliver on a next day basis in the tri-state area. 
but we're also able to, you know, being that we have an over-the-road trucking company, we can ship literally all over North America and, and control the freight by using our own drivers. The sea container business, um, that's an awesome, awesome model because we, you know, we only we only deal with plywood in the sea containers. So there's lots of other importers of wood products like ourselves that bring material in to different cities and I mean, you know, all across the United States, but they don't have a warehouse like we do. They don't have laborers, they don't have forklifts. So we operate in that capacity and, and you know, it's a beautiful thing because we get to see what people are bringing in. We get to see where they're shipping it. And, you know, the biggest thing is that we take our five to $8 million of our inventory and now we get another five to $10 million of inventory of someone else's material. That's that we don't have to pay for. Mm-hmm. That's at our disposal at any time. So if, you know, if my guys know what's in, what's in our warehouse, that's, that's one of our warehousing customers. You know, we aim to be their biggest customer and we say, Hey, you know, we treat their inventory like ours and, and we're able to sell from it. That's freaking awesome. I love how y'all pivoted into those different avenues of not just making money, but it's more, it sounds like it's more offering more to your customers than most of your competition can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, through the shipping well, and the storage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, in, in the, you know, globally, the wood products business is a, it's a commodity and, and we, we really only special, you know, uh, specialize in the specialty items. So we, you know, we, we like to sell all the stuff that none of our competitors carry. Absolutely. Okay. So one of the main reasons I brought you on the show is because you have a model of recruiting that I haven't really seen from a lot of uh, clients, guests, or, or any of that. You know, when you think sales, you don't, typically you don't think college educated, right? You just think somebody that's good at sales. I need to get them in, need to get them selling. Right. And so you guys obviously got to a point where you're like, Hey, we need to delegate the sales piece. Was that the last thing to go? The first thing to go? What did that look like for you guys? Uh, well, delegating the sales piece. I mean, we've, you know, we've always had salesmen. I mean, you know, when we first started, it was, you know, my father and then a sales manager and, and a couple people. But in the last, the last 10 years, we've really set out to build a sales force. And, you know, that it's just, you know, just like anybody, it's, it's difficult to find good people and it's difficult to find people that, you know, we want to train them our way. We want them to sell wood products and sell specialty wood products and not sell on price and, and sell our way. Mm-hmm. And you find that, that people that have had other jobs in our industry or even, even, you know, semi uh, closely related industries, you know, they learned the way they learned, which is different than the way we do it. And it's hard to make that transformation. So what are some of the, the key differences that would motivate you guys to essentially start them young or, or start it? This is like the first job of their career. What are some of those key differences that you guys train them on and that is different from your competition? Well, we, we recruit out of all the, all the local colleges, uh, you know, in, in the Baltimore area. Um, and we, you know, we bring on anywhere from, you know, 10 to 15 interns per year. And, you know, it's a great model because they have a start date and end date mm-hmm. and it, it's for 90 days and you find out real fast, you know, who, who's going to cut it. Um, 
and you know you find out real fast who's who's not going to cut it too and you know the good thing is at the end of 90 days they're you know they can they can walk away or or you know you guys can just we can just part ways um you know we we do pay uh our interns which um i don't i couldn't imagine not paying him but i i do know that at the intern fairs that there's a lot of unpaid internships um so we have a big banner that says paid internships and all the students come flock to us <laughs> it's uh it, it's pretty wild i mean we 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 recruit heavily at at these uh you know at these job fairs and we just we find we find awesome young educated people and and yeah. you know to me it's not it's not that they have a college degree right. by any it's just it's a it's a platform where you get a bunch of young people in in a room and they're looking to you know they're looking to enter the workforce um and you know so if there was other things like that outside of colleges i would i would do them as well but uh right. I, don't, I don't do many of those well i think it creates a minimum qualifier which is hey i've done something that you know, I, I don't know what the college uh, percentage of people graduating college is now. I got to imagine it's 20, 30 percent. Right. So I've I've done something and invested in something. I've basically invested in my education, you know, and I've seen it through. I've graduated and it probably took three to four years, maybe even five years. And so just that accomplishment by by itself, it's kind of a minimum qualifier that creates a, a higher quality candidate. Right. Absolutely. That somebody has seen that through for, for four to five years. And then, so once they, you know, and that, that is a good point that it's a paid internship. And so that's another qualifier right there, which is like, all right, ours is a little more desirable. So out of the people that apply for that internship, what's the percentage that actually are accepted? Um, I mean, every quarter we probably have, we probably have, you know, 10 interview. And we hire, you know, two to three. Now we we also do, you know, we have internships in multiple different areas: sales and okay. marketing, uh, accounting is a big one for us, uh, supply chain management, uh, IT, um, and then uh, I just hired someone as well for uh, I called it a visual storyteller for uh, social media content. Nice, very nice. So this isn't just a you know, the sales division you're doing this with, you're doing this with the entire company. And entire so, business. yeah, I want to dial this in, in terms of for sales, right? Because most of the time we hire from Indeed or, you know, referral or other job sites, whatever the case may be. And um, unless that is kind of the model, right? So one of the competitors that I had in the door-to-door -door space is their model was absolutely hiring college grads, you know? And, it, and it's just like you said, it's just a higher quality candidate, right? It doesn't really, the degree or what they went to college for isn't really important. It was more that they they invested in themselves, essentially. And so um, so looking at this as a, a model, because I, I kind of put this out the other day. I think it was four different ways to hire, right? Which is, you know, body count equals bank account, which is as many people as you can. And then you work them through a rigorous onboarding system or your commission only so naturally they're going to fall by the wayside naturally and so um and then there's like crim daily crim which is going on all the job sites putting them through personality testing multiple interviews and then coming out with the highest quality candidate on the other side 
and there's a few others, but this is one I hadn't really explored a whole lot just because commission only sales, you're not going to get a lot of, uh, I guess, college degree candidates. Right. And that's most of my background. So, but in y'all's case, it's a base salary plus commission. So once right. they come, once they come in for the internship, they have a 20 to 30% chance of getting accepted into it. And once they come in, what kind of work are you having them do to understand, okay, they, this may be a good hire to keep them on permanently. So, yeah, so it starts out real basic and now, you know, our, I can't really comment to other sales positions cause I've, I've never held one, but I can tell you in our business, you know, the, the guys are selling the product, but they're also selling all the back end, the service. They're, they're scheduling the trucks to be delivered, the writing orders. There's a whole, you know, there's the whole process of, you know, answering the phone from, taking the order to getting the order to the customer and then making sure they're happy at the end. Um, so, you know, they, they do everything, everything in between there. Um, mm -hmm. They start by writing orders, simple writing orders. I have over a thousand SKUs of, of different types of plywood here. Wow. Uh, and you find out, you find out real quick, you know, who is the detail, you know, attention to detail people that can write the order, right? I and mean, if, if a customer wants quarter inch plywood and they're writing it for three quarter inch, when they, go through that whole process and then they get the order wrong. It's like, Hey, come on, you know, and that, that happens a lot, but we, we find out quickly, um, you know, who, who is the detail oriented, orientated people that we need. Um, and then, you know, uh, truck scheduling as well. I mean, you know, freight is a very, very expensive uh, portion of our business. So we, we have to uh, arrange uh, you know, we have 10 different trucks that deliver on a daily basis and all those trucks are going, you know, every direction outside of Baltimore. Uh, and you have to have to arrange uh, all of those stops on the truck to make sure. And there's a lot of different factors. There's weight, there's distance, there's what time the customers are open. Uh, you know, there's a, lot, a bunch of different factors there and you have to, you have to, it's a balancing act. There's no right, right, wrong, uh, you know, right or wrong way to do it, but it's it's making sure it gets done as efficiently as possible. You went through all those variables. Isn't one of them, you know, uh, what's loaded in the truck first? Exactly. Yeah. The, the order of the stock. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, and and they, you know, so we start we spoon feed them. You know, that mm -hmm. that sounds like a lot. I mean, a lot of that takes a lot of experience, um, but what we spoon feed them, and we just find that there's just so many different levels of people. And, and then we find out where they're going to fit best. You know, I've, I've got some guys that, that are, that are absolutely awesome at the details and they write the orders right. And they, they, you know, they schedule them correctly and they, you know, all the back end details are perfect, but they can't make the cold calls. And then I've got other guys that are, you know, pick up the phone and they're, they're just, they're naturals, you know, and they're, they're just selling right away. They don't know anything about wood, but they're selling because they can talk to customers, but they yeah. can't do the back end part. You know, they can't write the order right for the life of them. So it's, so we get all these people in here and then we, you know, we, we, we almost have to micromanage to make sure that they're doing their job correctly as an intern, because, you know, we don't want to sacrifice our business because they're learning. Um, mm -hmm. But and that's where we find them. And then we and then once we determine that, hey, they're a good fit for us and they also want to stay, then we align them with with other salespeople as inside support or, you know, and put them on a track as to where they should be headed based on their skills. So it sounds like 
is, is your the actual sales position is it heavy account management is that salesperson they're seeing it all the way through to delivery essentially or are they also kind of leaning on logistical like a logistical support or like an admin team that is assisting them in that process oh, well it's a mix of both i mean we have a we have a logistical and an admin team um, but it's it's not it's not as cut and dry as like the salesman takes the order and that's that's the end of the process. Right. I mean, the, everyone's kind of involved in everything. And being yeah, that, that we have, sense. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a must. I mean, we I'd love to have automation someday with computer system that does it for you and everything. But I, I don't even know that it's out there. But but until then, this is this is uh, you know the best best we've come up with, and, and we're doing awesome things. And, and there's a lot of people that will tell you it's out there, you know what I mean? And that they can build it. And when you get down to it, that is complicated. Yeah. I can already hear all the challenges or I guess, see all the challenges that would come up from that for sure. Okay. So they've come in um, and you recognized, Hey, you know, this person's a little better with people on the phone. They're hitting the cold calls pretty well. When you're doing, when, when they come in as an intern, they're doing cold calls and this is just a strategy I've always used. Are you giving them like kind of the older leads or the things that maybe not as big of accounts or are you kind of giving them, you know, right away, you're giving them opportunities that the salesmen currently have? Yeah. Well, a mix of both, a, a mix of both. We, you know, we give them, uh, you know, if you've got 10 stops headed, headed South and you know, there's, you know, there's 20 different buyers, we're going to have them call the 10 that, the sales guys aren't selling and just check in with them, okay. seeing what they're doing days, what type of products they're buying. Um, and, you know, we get a lot of, a lot of hits that way. We we're constantly bringing in new products and, and creating, uh, you know, product promotion. So we'll, we'll let them run with that. We'll say, Hey, here's a price on five products. It's a good price. You know, call everyone that, that buys this type of product and we give them, you know, a list from our system and, and, and have them hammer it. And, and again, you, you find out, you know, super quickly, the ones that, are good at it and not that the other ones are bad, but just you find out where their strengths are. Uh, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, one of my first exposures to sales was uh, a boiler room for collectible gold sales. Right. And the new people coming in that were training one, they'd have a senior sales rep there, you know, in, in, in listening distance to be able to feed them if they needed to like any training or any, sentences that they needed to say when they had a client on the phone we we called it barging right they could barge in on the conversation listen and then they could talk to that salesperson without the the, the client hearing so they could basically feed on the lines and everything kind of the that wolf of wall street type stuff right and um but that was one of the first things i noticed is uh they gave them the like they called them 90 day leads basically leads that hadn't done any transaction in 90 days once once they they went up for 90 days then nobody owned them anymore and they anybody could call those leads and so uh that that was kind of how they cut their teeth you know exactly, yeah. and so once you identify them and you realize you know maybe this is 45 days in maybe it's 50 days into the internship i mean you're still recruiting at that point you're recruiting every day that they're working there so i guess what does that process look like transitioning them from intern to hire and how do you make sure that you capture them? Because at, at that point, it's like, hey, we want you, but they probably have other opportunities coming up in, in maybe what they majored in, or are you specifically getting people that are majoring in things that support your industry? Yeah, so so yeah, so there's 
it's it's not industry related when we're when we're getting interns. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my 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 number one salesman right now went to school and uh, to get his uh, accounting degree and, and graduated and got a CPA and interned wow. with us. Decided, oh man, I don't want to you know I don't want to be an accountant. I want to sell plywood, and he you know he loved it. My, <laughs> our, our people. Our people love it here. They they love the culture, and that's that's what keeps them, uh, you know, keeps them staying. And, and you know, they that's all I can really say about it is because you know they 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 do fall in love with the industry as well because it's mm-hmm. it's super specialty. I mean, you know, most people when they when they ask me what they you know what I do and I sell I say I sell plywood. They say, oh, like the plywood on your roof, and it's it's very very little of that. I mean, most of our customers are are building, you know, extremely, extremely expensive kitchens or their staircase manufacturers or their, you know, big world known uh, museums. We sell all the museums in, in all the big cities because we have specialty products that they're, that they make the case goods and the displays out of. They have to have special off gassing and, and have, you know, different, uh, different attributes that are safe for their product. I mean, we, it's, it's, it's so specialized that, that, Every single day we write orders and we're like, wow, that's pretty cool. I didn't know you could use wood for that. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, and, and they fall in love with it. And, 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 you know, they're, we just, we create a really awesome team and it's, it's all really early career, uh, early career uh, team. And, and, you know, it's, it's great. I mean, I, I, I absolutely love giving them an opportunity and watching them, you know, buy houses and buy their first cars and, you know, and some of the guys, rent rooms to each other. And, and, you know, I, I love seeing them come along and, and love seeing them develop in life. No, that's gotta be, a- yeah, that's gotta be incredibly rewarding. I know, you know, for us, it was like taking them from fast food to sales and all of a sudden they had their own apartment. They moved out of their parents' house. It was that, that life transition essentially. And you were able yeah. to provide them with that opportunity and the skills that you gave them enabled them to continue to scale that opportunity. No, that's amazing. One of the things I want to point out that you said, you know, when I think about hiring for sales in general, the sales pitch is from the company that's hiring to a potential salesman, you know, like, Hey, this is the opportunity you've been looking for, you know, and, and here's where you can go with it. You know, when it comes to sales, it's not like traditional positions where, you know, they're reaching out to you, you know, you're doing the whole resume thing, you're doing the, the, the interview and it's you trying to get a position with them. It's in, in, in sales, it's typically them, um, them trying to pitch you on their position. Cause they're, you know, there's not big bases typically, you know, it's very commission based, but with y'all's, it sounds like to me that y'all's culture does the selling for you. And mm-hmm. so I guess one of the, some of the key things that you guys do to create that culture, maintain it. And then, um, what are some of the ways the interns get to experience it? Um, well, we one of the things that we did is we made our office space fun. We we remodeled two years ago and made it uh, made it real tech like. I guess you'd say we you know I, okay. I, I when I remodeled it, I googled what do Google's offices look like. <laughs> and, and I love of, that so much. That's something I would do. <laughs> I loosely, I loosely followed that. I painted all the walls green and made a big open concept and did uh, polished concrete floors. And we made, you know, we made desks and furniture out of product we sell. 
Um, and you know, that, that's, that's a small cultural thing, but they, they love it when they come here. They love their atmosphere. Um, but that's a, that's, I, I want to point out, that's a huge expense. I, the dollar signs are just adding up in my head. Yeah. How, I guess, how did you know it would pay off? Or was it just a, a gamble for you? I, I imagine somebody in the family was like, oh, that's ridiculous. We don't need all that. Right. Cause you're the young yeah. gun. You know what I mean? So this is yeah. a more of a modern concept. You know, <laughs> in your experience, it's likely going to pay off, you know, but the, you know, the, the older ones in the family are probably like, what are you doing? Like, this is ridiculous. Right. So how did you, yeah. how did you, how did you push that through? Yeah. I just, you know, I just, I have this vision that, uh, that we are going to be the, you know, I call it the tech company of, of the wood products business, you know, like a, like something you'd see like a startup company in, in, you know, in, in Silicon Valley or something. And, you know, that's, you know, part of me wants some of that. I want, I want to have, you know, I want to have just an awesome team that loves their job and that, that we get creative and we listen to them and we don't, you know, we don't force feed exactly what we want to do. We, we listen to, you know, what type of products they want to sell and, you know, what their customers are demanding. Um, and, and we just, you know, the guys, you know, we put in like a little putt-putt golf thing out there. They have, you know, they've, you've got a bell they ring when they get big orders. And we, you know, we try to have, a you know, as much fun as we can and, and still, you know, still get the job done. And, and you know, we've, we've been, we've been very successful. You know, I want to, I want to keep pushing. I mean, earlier we were talking about just a few minutes ago, we were talking about, you know, uh, coming up through the ranks, you mentioned moving out of your parents' house, buying your own spot, right. all that. And I can tell you for, for myself and, and my sales manager, my sales manager is, I guess, 31, I'm 38. And right when we got to that 28 to 30 years old mark, I mean, that's when things really started to take off. That's when we started to have kids and that's when we started to buy yeah. houses. And now I see some of that happening and, and um, you know, so bring on the kids and bring on the houses because once, once they get committed, man, they gotta, they gotta make some more money and, and we don't cap people either. I mean, we, we, we right. literally will not cap anybody. We, we want people to, to, you know, to exceed and, 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 you know, and, and have, have a career where they can, you know, they can be, have financial freedom, just like, just like the owner of the business. 100%. I love that so much, especially understanding that when they reach the next stage of life, it's more responsibility, but at the same time, it's, it's more accomplishment, right? To be able to provide all those things for your family. I mean, it's a, it's a huge feeling. I know, you know, me being able to do it at a crazy young age at like 23 and 24, already making six figures and owning my own business. Like I, that became my identity, <laughs> you know what I mean? For my twenties so much but uh you know two of the things two of the major things are, i heard you say is y'all are investing heavily in your environment right which is the office space the putting greens the bell whenever they hit the big sale and stuff like that those are all very environmental things but this, the second thing i heard and i don't want to skip over it is the two-way communication that's happening you know old school business it's do what i say when i say to do it and i'll pay you you know what i mean and if you do a really good job maybe i'll promote you kind of thing new school business or honestly the, the businesses I feel like that have better cultures like we're talking about is that two-way communication. So I think most of our listeners understand that because that's the way they operate their business. 
I think where they struggle and maybe you can provide some value since you have so much experience with it in the amount of people that you have is, all right, when does that, what's the line that kind of can't get crossed that you have to kind of like, Hey, we got to draw the line here. Is it KPIs? Is it performance? Is it attitude? And then how do you approach that when you're, I guess, redirecting or correcting your people when they're, they're, they're losing on the KPIs or they have a bad attitude or whatever the case is, because they may be taking advantage of that two-way communication. Mm. Well, that goes back to the to the trial period with the internship, and and anyone okay. has any of the uh, any of the the bad attitude thing, they don't they don't stay past the ninety days. So that's you know that's that's one of the biggest things in a trial period is you get to see you you know you get to see how people operate and um, absolutely. You know, all the other things, I mean, we can we can work on. I mean, the, the sales numbers, the KPIs, um, you know, we can we can help. We can give them training. We can you know we can work with on them on, on them with all those things. It's you know the attitude is is in the drive is really what you know separates themselves from everybody else. It's, you know, do they do they want it bad enough? And are they gonna are they gonna put in the work to get it? And you guys are paying attention in the first ninety days and figuring that out using that um, early career team process. Absolutely. No, I love it so much, brother. You're bringing a ton of value to the show. Honestly, conventional, but unconventional, right? So again, most of the guests that I have have very modern businesses, but this is an old school thing that, you know, a lot of Fortune 500s do consistently and they get some of their best recruits from it that I, I feel like small to medium sized businesses definitely need to adopt or already have adopted and are successful at it like you guys. So uh, I love that you brought that to the show. I appreciate you for that. No problem. Thank you. All right. So what are you guys excited about right now? What is, uh, I guess, something that's on the horizon for you guys that you're, you're looking to capitalize on? Yeah. Yeah. We're bringing in some new products next year. Um, we've already have them on order. There's some really, really great products that um, that are, you know, they're they're not brand newly invented products, but you know, mm-hmm. we're, our customer base is going to have, you know, an, another value added item that we can we can service them with at the same time, and I I think that's really going to you know push us into the into the next realm. Um, new products. I mean, we're investing in our people. We invest in our equipment. Um, I have plans to build a uh, another warehouse on our, the corner lot of our property um, for some more storage. someday I'd like to get into value added manufacturing where we're processing oh, wow. and, and cut to size. Um, I've got you know a lot of a lot of big plans and just just have to have to organize them and make them happen one at a time. Yeah, as long as you keep that culture rolling, I think you're going to be fine and attracting the people to execute on those plans. So. That's what it's all about. All right, last question. Ask all my guests this. What does legacy mean to you and what legacy do you want to leave behind? Well, legacy to me means, uh, you know, what what people remember you based off of. And legacy that I want to leave behind is I want to build absolutely awesome culture and a playbook for the future generation of this business. I want them to be able to have a, you know, have a, a playbook as to how we operate, you know, what we track, how we sell, um, and, you know, take the guesswork out of it. 
and I want to build culture that they can, you know, they can wash, rinse and repeat and, and, and keep duplicating. I love it, brother. That's a, that's how you build a multi-generational business, right? Is by passing on the playbook. You know, if you look at businesses in the past, it's been about the people that run them versus now it's been about the SOPs that you leave behind, you know, and SOP yeah. is not a sexy word, but that's at the end of the day, what you're talking about is that playbook. So now I, again, I appreciate you coming on the show, providing us a ton of value and let's get built. Thanks, Doug. Appreciate you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We sure do appreciate it. As always, be sure to like, share, and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. Don't forget to join our Facebook group, Building Great Sales Teams, so you can get daily tips on how to get your sales team built brick by brick. We'll see you there.